baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just believe you ought to know about it. There is so much going on. It is so excited to see the marquees lit up and to know that people are getting out and really participating and receiving all of that, just all of that goodness. My sister and I and the band featuring my brother Billy Steele performed at Crooners this weekend on Friday, had a blast, sold out, and it was because of you. It is because of you. And we have some great shows to talk about tonight, so let's get started. I don't know if you've heard that the cast and creative team for Artistry's second production of the 2021-2022 season, Little Women, the Broadway musical, was announced today. Tamara Kangas Erickson, vice president and resident choreographer at Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, will direct the production and lead its talented cast and crew in her Artistry debut. She and actress Madeline Trumbull join us to talk about the show, which runs till the end of November. November. Congratulations, Tamara. How are you? Hi, Geraldine. I'm great. How are you? I'm great. It's so good to have you and Madeline join me. Madeline, are you on as well? You know what? We're passing the receiver back and forth. Oh, that's right. I did read that. Yes. And so we'll deal with that. Okay. First of all, this is really exciting. I haven't seen Little Women, so I was a little surprised that that was the piece that you're starting with. Do you know the piece well? Well, you know, um, I, I've known the play. I, I wasn't super familiar with it. I'd never worked on it before, but um, it's a wonderful piece, and it's been so fun to um, just really dig into it and see it come to life here at Artistry. You know, um, you've done so much, and you carry t- titles, you know, behind your name often. And I'm, I'm amazed to watch you soar. Seriously. You know, I'm always watching the women who soar, and I've known you for a while. Oh. And every time I read about you doing something different, doing something new, I just go, yes, there you go. Oh, Get it done. Jill, and that is wonderful. Thank you. Seriously. So what, as, as this um, approaches, how do you pre- prepare for this? You know, it, it's interesting because really directing and choreography are very much the same and also very different. Um, You know, when you're directing a piece, you really have to let the whole piece sort of just kind of absorb into yourselves um, so that you're really not even thinking about the, thinking about the logistics of the details, but you just know the details, like you know them in your, in your, in your bones. So, um, you know, choreography is very mathematical. It's very logical. It's very much, um, you know, crafting with the music and obviously in directing, there's a lot of that going on, but you really have to understand the arc of the story and understand the whole, um, the energy and the, the vibe of the play. And that's a really cool thing to dig into. I've heard other artistic directors use that term, you know, the arc of a piece. Um, Let me get you in here, Madeline, because I can imagine that you would know about that as well, because you, uh, with your history, you have done Broadway, you've done off-Broadway, and national tours, and so much more. When they say the arc of the piece, what do you define that as? 
Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, I am still figuring that out, but I'm I lucky know, right? I Me too. Yeah, it's it, yeah. Um, I'm talking to you right now, just so you know. I am in full costume and makeup and hair. We are in the middle of rehearsals right now. Um, I look like straight out of the 1865. Um, but I'm lucky with this show because it's not always that. Um, you have such rich source material. And of course, Little Women, the musical is based on Little Women, the novel, um, which is arguably one of the most famous American novels of all time. And so Mm -hmm. I was so lucky, you know, I found out a couple, few weeks before we started rehearsals, I read the book again, Um, I was able to watch all the movies. And so I have a, a, a huge familiarity with the role, but also... And it's a role that everybody knows, a story everybody knows, but it's not a story that everyone has memorized. So I'm still able to bring my own fresh take to it and be inspired by other women who have done it. Um, but so, so to answer your question, <laughs> I'm definitely still figuring that out, the arc. And Joe definitely goes through one. This show takes place over the course of two years. And, of course, her life changes a lot. She... There's lots of love and loss, and um, and as a young woman uh, in the 1800s, trying to navigate it all while singing beautiful a beautiful Broadway score is um, it's a hard job, but it's a very exciting job. Yeah. You know, it's amazing, uh, Tamara, when you choose a piece like this that is well-known, although I must say there are a lot of young women today that know nothing about Little Women. Um, and so I'm, I, you see sometimes the change uh, of what people are reading today, what they read when they were in high school and that sort of thing. There's been so many iterations of this particular book, this particular piece. And so, you know, young people probably are looking at some of the, the ones that have just been done in the last decade or so, or do, do you say to yourself, um, what would they think about this 1800 piece, you know, sometime in the 1800s? What do they understand it? Do they know what this book meant to all of us that are older? Well, Sherilyn's a good question. I don't know if they will really understand it, but um, I do think that the recent iterations uh, in film have been really joyful and have made the story very modern. So if, you know, if young people today have seen some of those versions, I think they could get really excited about this musical from those versions because this musical also has a very contemporary feeling, even though um, it's a traditional musical theater piece with contemporary feeling music. I mean, it was written around the time of Wicked, and there's a big Broadway belt song at the end of Act One. Um, The music is definitely the sensibility of a young musical theater fan today. Wow. A young musical fan. Is that what you said? A theater fan today? Musical theater fan. Wow. You know what? And Musical theater fans stay fans. My son is one of them. (laughs) You know, and he's 38. Yeah, he's no, he's 36. Sorry, 36 and lives in Los Angeles. And he's the one that's going to go see every musical he can, you know, uh, especially the Broadway uh, ones. And so as you guys build this and put this, you're, you're, you're opening when? We open on Friday, November 5th. 
Oh my gosh, that's around the corner. And and Madeline was saying, hey, we're in rehearsal right now. So I can imagine the excitement. Uh, everyone is probably exhausted and exhilarated at the same time because COVID lasted, you know, way too long and it's not quite over yet. But boy, we're in a great position for people to say, I'm ready to go back into theater. And that's already been happening at Chan Aston, right? <laughs> It, it has, and it's already been happening at Artistry. We're, we're going to be the second show at Artistry this season. Um, and, you know, with the COVID protocols in place, it feels really safe to be at the theater, and it feels yeah. really joyful to be back with audience and with performers in the same room experiencing this magic that we're creating. Okay, and tell us about Artistry. Well, artistry is great. Um, you know, it's in Bloomington at the Bloomington Center for the Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, they they do a very full season. I think there's five shows on the calendar this season, um, and we are the second show of the season. Uh, future shows include Memphis and Shrek, Into the Woods, um, and earlier this year uh, they did Songs for a New World. Um, so they're doing some real. They're they're doing their seasons a little bit differently now. They're taking a real fresh look at what they've done in the past. Really trying to mix up their programming. Um, they're doing some really great things here at Artistry, and I'm hoping that the Twin Cities will um, be really excited to check out what's happening this year. And before I let both of you go, Madeline, I'd like for you to say uh, to start first. What has been your biggest challenge and your biggest joy in getting this production? You know, uh, being a part of it. Oh my goodness! Um, challenge. There's so it, it, not a lot. I have to say because as an actor, we've just as a stage actor, I've been sitting at home for you know nearly two years, just waiting and waiting to get back on stage. So it's all so exciting. But then also at the same time, I think the challenge has been things in rehearsals because artistry is being so safe. There's so many rules in place. Um, multiple COVID tests a week. We wear masks in rehearsals, you know, any tender, close moments in the show have, have um, you know, we just have to take care of each other in a new way. Um, Are you telling me no kissing? What? Oh, there will be. There will be. There has be. to be we in this piece. We haven't gotten as much <laughs> rehearsal um, at that part yet. Um, right. But So that's definitely been a challenge. Um, but also at the same time, it's it's um, we've all have to take care of our, each other so much more that's than right. before. And it's a challenge, but also it's really rewarding. And, and we, it, you always feel like a family with your cast and crew, but this one feels even more that way because we are all so, so grateful to be here um, doing what we love again because it's been so long. So It's been so, so long. It's so true. Okay, Tamara, we're going to end this conversation with you. Challenge and your joy. Which one? I'm sorry, Gerilyn, I missed that. Okay, sorry about that. Um, what has been your challenge so far and what has been your joy? Well, doing this piece. You know, there this show is uh on at first glance, you might think that it's it's a smaller musical, but when you really dig into it, it's a really <laughs> big musical with a ton of technical details, a lot of scene changes, a lot of costume changes, and it's a period piece. So the attention to detail that really needs to be here has been probably the biggest challenge. I mean, the attention to detail to the hair and the costumes and getting the right feel for the the scenery and what is most evocative and still makes it feel modern and fresh. Um, so I would say that's been the biggest challenge. 
the biggest joy has just been in the being in the room with actors again and performers and really working together to create magic. It's just really wonderful. Well, all the little important things, you know, add to it so much. And then all of the joy that you guys are experiencing being together and know that, hey, we're actually going to do the piece. Congratulations to you, Directing Tamara. It's a pleasure to talk to you every time. And Madeline, thank you so much for joining us. So thank you both. Are you still there? I was saying thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Madeline. I know this is going to be exciting for you. Have a great time. And Tamara, if you can hear me, honey, get it done. Knock us out. I intend to be there to see it. (laughs) Oh, we can't wait to have you. (laughs) All right. If people want more information, where do they go? Uh, www.artistrymn.org. There it goes, artistrymn.org. I hope to talk to you again soon. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Sherilyn, bless you. Take care. You too, honey. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You're welcome, Madeline. My goodness. All right, we're going to take a break and then come back with our own lead theater critic over at the Star Tribune, Rohan Preston. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, it is finally time that Rohan Preston joins us again. You know, he likes to put a few weeks and months in between each time he visits us, but it's always great to have the lead theater critic from the Star Tribune join us. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you? Doing great. You know, we're going to ask that question tonight. Is it theater or theatre? <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an interesting question whether it's in theater with an E-R, theater with an R-E, because we, I get that all the time. And um, uh, when, when the Minnesota Jewish Theater with an R-E changed its name to Six Point Theater with an E-R, I was like, Huh. I need to call <laughs> them and ask them why why the, why the change. change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you know, haven't done that yet. Yeah, I have. I have. It's you know, it's, 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 I have a piece in the paper, but it is, and they did it um, because they wanted to be um, just more American, more regular. You know, more but, regular. Uh, wow. <laughs> What Americans do you know that want to be regular? Come on. (laughs) But, you know, every time I talk about a theater that is spelled um, T-R-E at the end, I always have to mention that, you know, when they're going to the websites, you know, make sure Mm -hmm. it's T-H-E-A-T-R-E, not T-E-R. So I do have to really um, express that so people won't go to the T 
E-R one. Um, and you do find them, but we don't find that change as much as we used to, right? No, and, and you know, what, what, what's interesting is, so Frank's Theater with an R-E actually bought the website to both E-R and R-E. Um, so <laughs> that when people, exactly, when people, like, you know, go on the wrong one or whatever, and they, they're not hung up about it, but other people are. You know, the, Rick, uh, Ron Peluso over at the History Theater, he often corrects um, uh, actors who list history theater with an R E R on their resumes because it's mm-hmm. probably spelled R E, you know. Yeah, and some people don't catch it. You know, they don't mean any harm. They don't mean to make the mistake. But the, all, the pronunciation. Can you please give us the two pronunciations? <laughs> well, I know. I think they. I think they're the same. I mean, for in the way th- they work, theater with an R E and theater with an E R. They're pronounced exactly the same way. And so, you know, it becomes uh, a little bit of, um, uh, for some people, an affectation. Um, the playwright, um, Jeffrey uh, Hatcher, says that he feels like he needs to put on a bow tie to say theater. Exactly. That's what it feels like, right? So it's amazing. When I was, um, my first classes in French in high school was in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And they told us it was pronounced something like theatre or theatre or something like that. I can't remember it. So yeah, maybe I'm, sure. I'm just wrong. <laughs> well, no, it's, you know, it, it obviously it comes from the uh, Greek. Theatron is a place where you see something, it's the spectacle, um, and and Latin and, and French and all the Romance languages. So the TR sound, um, even now Teatro del Pueblo is uh, carries that TR sound um, in, into English. But, I mean, we, we have always um, distinguished ourselves, and I think that the, the theater spelling is like uh, other spellings, like center in the British system is, R E C E N T R E and and we right. you know so so some of that that is for us um, very much so as a part of our Declaration of Independence but in the British uh, <laughs> colonies and what have you uh, former British colonies they they still use the theater with an R E and uh, the distinction that we have had here in this in the in the country is that theater with an R E represents the art of theater and theater with an E R represent the place where it happens. Um, um, oh. But I, for most people, that's totally, totally meaningless. And, and, and I think it's a, it's a battle uh, or a distinction that people have given up on. Because you know? theater is an art, though. I love that. I've never heard that yeah. before. I think I'm going to yeah. run with that. <laughs> don't, don't run too far. <laughs> don't run too far. But I have to say, I though, what, what's wonderful, and I should tell you this, is that there's so much more, like, coming on online now because, you know, the Guthrie is going to come up uh, on the 12th. It's, they're opening a Christmas Carol. And then the same day, Annie is opening at the Children's Theater uh, earlier that week, uh, we have Oklahoma opening at the Orpheum. So it feels like things are, are kicking into high gear again and that things are back to back to normal, as normal as it can be. 
you know? Yeah, as normal as it can be. You know, I took, um, I take my granddaughters who are four and nine, um, mm-hmm. and I take them to shows. And so I'm looking at what I want to take them to this this um, fall and going into winter, I took them to see Frozen. Uh, and I know, I think you were there too. Um, yes. Well, what did they think of it? Oh, they loved it. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you heard this little tiny voice when everything was really quiet and Elsa was about to come down front. She was walking slowly and silence. And all of a sudden, my granddaughter that's four, she goes, Let it go! Let it go! And I just I was rolling. You know, I didn't turn to anyone and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't say sorry. I was like, that's no. right, baby. Get it out. Get it out. She loves that show. That's she wonderful. loves that movie. So, yeah, it was pretty special. And to see that it changes you, I mean, they were just blown away by the set design and so much more. And so they're that's still talking that, about it. That was, I mean, like, the the ice caves and the ice effects were just spectacular. Stelling. I, was, I mean, just stellar. Oh, my goodness, um, yeah. You know, so so what is it then? What is the right age to take a child? I know you can't take a baby into a theater, um, but to, to have the children come and see something like Frozen, you know, a Disney classic, um, that that's different, isn't it? So if someone brings their three-year-old or four-year-old and they're all dressed up and ready for the show – some people say, well, that's too soon. Maybe you should wait until they're over five or six or seven. But I think if the child is ready, take them. Exactly. And I have to tell you, my, my own daughters, have, um, they, saw, they saw theater when they were before they could crawl. So, I mean. Before they, they could crawl? Yes. I mean, let me, let me and I, I'll give you an example of something. I mean, um, my daughter, uh, the younger daughter, um, was yes, was seeing theater like three, four months old. Um, mm-hmm. We'd you know outdoor stuff or whatever, but we'd we'd go to concerts and whatnot. And when she was about two years old, we went to to see Maya Angelou, and oh. and in at Temple Israel, and um, Maya was stunned afterwards. She's like, I did not know a baby was there um, because. Um, she was so well behaved and and there was no music. Incredible. Incredible. And, and of course, Rohan, we have run out of time, honey. You know, know, Colin Mockery is coming out, so I'm going to make room for him. You'll forgive me. You love me. And oh, we'll just keep going. Now, come but, on next Sunday, right? But, 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 absolutely. I would love to. And, and theater training is amazing. So the theater experience is amazing and there's no age limit. And and take your kids to see theater and engage them in theater. It's, it's wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love you so much. Tell your wife hello. Right, love you, love you guys. You. All right. We're going to take a break. There it is. It is now 934 here at WCCO. Welcome back. We are so excited to have Colin Mockery join us. Do you know who he is? Well, you know him from Whose Line Is It Anyway? He's a funny man, and he's been doing it for years, and we love him. Mockery and Brad Sherwood will be in St. Paul next week for one night of fun at the Fitzgerald Theater on November 6th. Welcome, Colin. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? We are so excited to have you. We're doing great. And to know that you're coming to town, we're very, very excited about that. So tell us, what has it been like for you to be on the show as long as you've been on the show? Because it feels like the show could not exist without you. Oh, I have to agree with you. I don't know if the others <laughs> do, but I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, you know what? I am so thankful uh, for the show. Um, I, when my first show 
my daughter was two months old. She just turned 31, and we're still doing it. And it's given us all this uh, incredible opportunity to be able to, to tour and make a living at this thing that didn't exist as an occupation when I was growing up. That's remarkable, and it's all about your growing up. All of a sudden, something will happen in your life that changes your trajectory. Do you remember what that one thing was, though? I do remember that one thing. Uh, when I was in high school, I was very quiet. I was a, an honor student. My plan was to become a marine biologist because mm. I always went where the money was. And um, I, w- I was dared by a friend to try out for the school play, and I got it. And I got my first laugh. And I still remember that laugh. And that basically changed everything. Uh, It was like, bye-bye science. I want this now forever. As we watch you on television or, or hear an interview with you, what we feel, at least I know what I feel, is that there's a lot of joy um, in what you do. You really, really enjoy it. Tell me about your family and how your wife, I think you guys have been married for 32 years. Do I have that correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thirty-two years, and she looks so happy in the picture I saw. <laughs> no, she, uh, she, yeah, she did pretty well. Um, I, um, you know, she was a major part, well, and is a major part of my life. She, uh, we met when she hired me for Second City in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, comedy's been a big part of our life. Uh, she, when things started going well for me, she said, "You know what." I'm going to step back a little bit and just concentrate on raising our daughter, uh, which she was amazing at and raised this amazing uh, woman. So uh, I've been incredibly fortunate in all aspects. The fact that this show came along to showcase the one thing I can do well, the fact that I married above my weight with this woman who has made my life uh, amazing, I'm incredibly fortunate. You are fortunate. And, you know, I was reading about uh, improv, and I read a, a, a comment that said, you know, whose line is it anyway is a master class for improv. Are you hearing or seeing and knowing that improv is growing? More and more young people are getting involved. Um, I remember when I lived out in Los Angeles in 2004, man, it was hot. What do you say today about improv? I, I, you know what? I think it's great. The One of the proudest things I am about whose line was it sort of got – improv into the mainstream um, consciousness. And, you know, there were some hardcore improvisers who had a problem with um, Who's Line, and I, which I totally understand because it goes against some of the uh, rules of improv and that is very jokey, it's very fast. But that was because of the medium, because of television. When you're on a screen, everything has to be shorter, has to be punchier. So I always say it's sort of like the Who's Line is sort of the vaudeville of uh, improv and hopefully it led people into all the myriad of um, styles of ways of doing improv. I've done everything from improvised Dungeons and Dragons to improvised uh, two-act plays. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the way that people have taken it and just keep uh, finding new ways to, to do it and making it exciting. How has um, technology affected your way of doing improv? Has it changed you? Uh, well, during the la- during lockdown, it was um, uh, Brad and I did a, were doing our show, and we learned very quickly. Again, uh, when a show is on the screen, everything has to be faster and um, and shorter. So we came up with this sort of version of our show, which was like 
sort of a um, sort of an improvised sketch show. The, the scenes were shorter, they were faster, they were more character based. Uh, but when we do our stage show, the beauty of that is we have all the time in the world to just do our scenes. You know, on television, everything has to be like three to five minutes. We do like 10 minute, 15 minute scenes in our show. Uh, as long as the audience is enjoying it, we keep going. And audience participation is really a key to what you and Brad do. I mean, you you bring it forward and people are completely engaged. Oh, Tell me what that feels like yeah. over the time that you've been doing improv. Are you I'm there, sorry. Colin? Yep. Did you hear me? Um, I, I missed the last question. Sorry. Okay. No, no, that's okay. Um, audience participation um, it, it, with you and Brad, it's, they say it's unmatched. Knowing that, um, you can continue to keep doing this because the audience loves it. No matter how the audience is aging, uh, you got young people, middle-aged people, older people coming to your shows or watching them. It's really quite remarkable. You, you must be thrilled about that. Oh, absolutely thrilled. I mean, we we saw maybe 10 years ago, our audiences were actually getting younger, which never happens. And it's because <laughs> they were catching up on the old show from uh, on the Internet, on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. And on all our shows, we have an incredibly wide demographic from, you know, 8-year-olds to 80-year-olds. And they're such an important part of our show. We, we certainly found out when we were doing the virtual shows, not being able to hear the audience laugh. Uh, you know, which Brad is used to, but it kind of threw me a little. And right. <laughs> um, it, it just sort of made it uh, clear how important the audience is to us. They're sort of our third improviser. They're, they're dictating the pace and where we go in the show. Well, that's one thing about the pandemic. It has made us find new ways of doing our craft. Uh, and you guys are doing it very well. It's like you haven't missed a step. So tell us about the Fitzgerald Theater Show on November 6th. It's called Sacred okay. Script List. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scared, yeah. Scared Script List. <laughs> I love the way how everyone slows up as they say the title. I don't want to make any kind of mistake. Um, we like to say um, our show is sort of a live version of Who's Line without the tall guy and the black guy. Everything <laughs> is totally made up. Everything starts with a suggestion from the audience. We have audience members doing scenes with us. Uh, it's non-political. It's family-friendly. It's just two hours of goofy fun. And you never, you never have a challenge in coming up with ideas, creative ideas, when it comes to um, what you do, the improv of it all. No, and, and it's shocking, actually. But uh, Brad and I spend the most work we do in the show is trying to make it as uncomfortable for us as possible because we find when we're outside of our comfort zone, that's when we have the most fun. So we're constantly trying to find new ways of, uh, uh, torturing ourselves and uh, this is uh, so much fun i mean I, we've been touring now for 20 years it's still the most fun i have in my professional life every show is different every show is for that audience no one else will see that particular show so it, it makes it really special and does your daughter come often no she's uh great proofs is her favorite so i don't talk to her <laughs> Oh, my goodness. For real? <laughs> no. No, she <laughs> Of course. But, uh, yeah, so she's, she's over it. She, she's had over, you know, 30 years of watching um, me, you know, act like a chicken. And I think she's, you know, ready to move on. 
Well, Colin, we are excited that you and Brad are coming to St. Paul next week for one night. That is November 6th at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul. It's called Scared Scriptless. Doors open at 7 p.m., showtime at 8 p.m., and the show is an all-ages show. I was so excited to see that. So that kind of helps you guys control a little bit, but when there, there are not children in the audience, you probably just let it go. Oh, absolutely. Well, Brad you know, <laughs> does. I'm always, I'm, I'm the class of the show. <laughs> All right, I'll accept that. It is such an honor to interview you tonight, Colin. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's so lovely talking to you, and thanks for having me. All right, we hope to see you soon. Be here. <laughs> All right. That is you too, sir. That is Colin Mockery. And if you don't know his work, just look up the tons of shows that they have recorded or filmed uh, called uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? And uh, he's a funny man. He's beloved. If he's not on the show, honey, oh, my gosh, people have a fit. So let me tell you, um, he and Brad will be here. Go get your tickets. November 6th. All you have to go do is go to the Fitzgerald Theater dot. Org, I believe. I think it's either .com or .org or either just Google it and it'll come up and make sure you hit more events for the Fitzgerald um, when you get to that page and then you'll see it come up for November 6th. All right, we're going to take a break and have our last guest join us. It is Grant Meacham. I've been talking about him all night. Um, he's with the Minnesota Orchestra and the head of live programming at the orchestra. Boy, are they doing great things with some very interesting things where children are coming to hear the orchestra and so much more. So we got a lot to talk about. We'll be back. Oh, my goodness. I just love this song, by the way. It is now 949, and I'm excited to introduce to you and uh, to some, because many of you know Grant Meacham and what the Minnesota Orchestra does already, and it's really exciting to have him on tonight. Uh, it's a cool confluence of music and cinema next weekend at the Minnesota Orchestra. Yes, I said that, a cool confluence of music and cinema Next weekend at the Minnesota Orchestra, Grant Meacham is the head of live programming at Orchestra at, or at Minnesota Opera, oh, Minnesota Orchestra, get it right, Geraldine. And he joins us to preview next weekend's fun with the movie Black Panther and a look at what lies ahead for the holiday season at Orchestra Hall. Hey, Grant Meacham, how are you? Hey, Geraldine, cool confluence. I am stealing that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my producer wrote that one, dude. That was pretty cool. Good on your producer. Yeah. Exactly. So the Minnesota Orchestra has always stretched out. I would say probably in the last three decades it has been ever-changing. But, boy, are you reaching into all communities and you're reaching out to those who may not know um, how talented or how gifted or how um, how you make sure that everyone feels welcome walking into your doors. Tell us more about how that happens. What I love about a project like Black Panther is it can really show off the range of this orchestra. Of course, the Minnesota Orchestra is, is known largely for, you know, playing, playing the classics, playing the European classics. But if you get a chance to come hear this orchestra play a film, it's just a whole different kind of brilliance from this group of musicians. And of course, we had a lot of fun doing things like Harry Potter and Star Wars. But Black Panther is the first time we've dipped into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's just a thrilling score. And I think for anyone who gets to hear this orchestra play that live with the film happening, it's going to be a pretty memorable experience. For the first time ever when it comes to these type of shows, I heard from teenagers, I love the score. You just don't hear that sort of thing from a lot of teenagers today. But they really paid attention to the music, and they're going to pay attention at Orchestra Hall coming up. And it, it's an Oscar-winning score, and it's kind of a fascinating composer. His name is Ludwig Göransson. He's a Swedish composer, but he's also one half of Childish Gambino. 
And he just has this wide, eclectic career. And he's written this score that is just rife with both, you know, traditional melodies and these these great rhythms. And I think one of the coolest things we're going to see is there's a musician named Masamba Diop who plays the African talking drum. He played on the original Mm -hmm. soundtrack and he's going to come to Minneapolis next weekend and play along with the orchestra. Yeah, I kind of looked up, uh, looked him up, and I'm I'm really excited about this. I'm trying. Are there tickets left? I'm so worried there, there won't are, be any tickets left. <laughs> there are still tickets left, but get them now when you can. It's uh, it, it's going quickly, <laughs> which is it's wonderful to see after all these months of not having full audiences at Orchestra Hall to see that building full again is just it 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 feels like you know. A, a comeback. <laughs> but you know what? You guys presented so much great um, p- people that were performing that are part of the orchestra, whether it was a solo or a trio or, you know, it was just remarkable how you guys kept giving us more, reminding us, don't forget us, we are still here. And it was exciting for me to watch those videos and read about what, what you guys are doing during the pandemic. And, you know, there's, there's always music to be made. And I think this is a particularly special group of musicians in that, when we were faced with this pandemic, both the musicians and the organization just found a way to keep making music and sharing that. And it, and just to be able to be able to share that again with a full stage of musicians at a full hall, it's, it's hard not to feel emotional for people who care about this orchestra and music in general. It's just an amazing feeling. When you decided on Black Panther, did you get any comments from communities around um, the state of Minnesota, especially the Twin Cities? I got so many texts from friends all over the country when we announced this one saying, I never thought I'd see this. <laughs> there are there are projects. Sarah Hicks, who of course is the, the principal conductor of our live at Orchestra mm-hmm. Hall series, sort of my, my partner in crime when it comes to programming it. She and I have our list of you know projects we've always wanted to do, and Black Panther Forever has been at the top of the list of films because it it just sort of broke new ground in terms of cinematic filmmaking. It's it's an action film at heart, but it's also just a marvelous filmmaking in general. And to be able to see that live, it's a whole different kind of communal experience. So it's going to be the actual uh, movie, Black Panther, with the orchestra playing all the music. Do I have that correct? Uncut. Yep, the original film score, completely uncut. We'll we'll put an intermission in there so you can stretch your legs and have a drink, but it's still going to be, you know, full evening with the entire Black Panther as it appeared in theaters. I have got to bring my grandbabies to this, my, my four-year-old and my eight-year-old. Is there a, a limit or um, um, is, is, is it that you don't allow a certain age group to come in or, you know, who's uh, the, too the young? The movie itself is PG-13, so we let, of course, the parent or guardian as we moved with the multiplex. But it, for anyone who feels like it, it's, it's definitely going to feel like a cinematic evening just in a different kind of surrounding. Instead of, you know, the lowered lights out at Harmar, you're going to see the, <laughs> the uh, orchestra hall in all its splendor. Yeah, and you've done this with other movies with great success. So I'm really excited as an African-American woman and performer that you guys are doing Black Panther. It is one of those movies that has uh, affected, right, impacted uh, the young to the old when it comes to communities of color. So it's just beautiful. Will we see more of this in the future? Well, actually, I'm going to tell you about a project we have coming up for the holidays because it's for the first time we're partnering with the brilliant singer-songwriter Paviel French. Oh, I love her. Team of our holiday show. <laughs> Patiel is amazing. For those who've been out of the holidays before, you've seen our show with Kevin Kling telling stories about growing up in, you know, in rural Osseo in the 60s. Peter Rothstein has directed the show. Sarah Hicks is conducting. And we decided as a team this year, we want to include more stories. And, and Paviel is someone who, you know, we've all seen and known just doing the amazing artistic work she's done around the community. And the first, from the first phone call Eva's had with her, we thought this is someone who is just an amazing artist, has an amazing mind, and is just such 
an addition to a show like this. So we're telling a story, really it's a dual story. It's Kevin telling more about his, his growing up, but then there's Paviel telling all these great tales about when she grew up in Rondo in the 80s and her, her wonderful parents and the impact they had in her life. And it's really, we want to make this a gift to anyone in Minnesota who wants to come out and celebrate the holidays with us. That is so exciting, Grant. And so both of them will be on stage together? It's both of them, plus a great cast of four singer-actors and, and the full Minnesota Orchestra. I love it. You guys are doing so much. You're reaching outside of the boundaries that were set for you. And if, you know, if there's nothing else we do in life, we should be able to do that. So well done. Um, the holiday shows, how many are you doing? We're going to do four performances from December 16th to 19th, and that's just part of huge, a huge array of holiday programming. We have an orchestra hall all throughout December. Okay, and just to be clear, I want to mention again, Black Panther is on what day? November 5 and 6, this Friday and Saturday, and tickets are still available if you go to our website. I'm so going to get tickets, man. <laughs> Thank you so you much. There, it's yeah. always a pleasure. Tell everyone I said hello, okay? Likewise, and you know, my love to your sister and brothers as well. We love you too, Grant. Take care of you, and tell your wife Take hello. Care of your All right. I will. Stay well. If you guys don't know what the Minnesota Orchestra is doing, if you haven't caught up on um, how they really step outside of their what what has already been defined as their boundaries, it has really extended way out. And to know that they are going to show the movie and play all of the score during that movie, it is going to be a remarkable experience. And I hope I will see some of you there. Can't go both nights, but I'm sure try to go one night, and I probably won't bring my youngest granddaughter, but definitely the nine-year-old will get it. Um, so I'm excited about that. I hope I get to see you there. Well, this has been a remarkable, remarkable time. Um, having this center stage going for as long as it has been going on. I want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, from Javita and I. Uh, the show that we did Friday night was so much fun, and it's all because of you. You sold it out. You came and support us, supported us, and it brought tears to our eyes. We're just so grateful for us being able to continue to do what we were put here to do. So thank you. All right, coming up next is the Mom and Michael Hour. You know it's my favorite hour because I get to visit with my son. I get to visit with my son, Michael Battle. We've been doing this for more than a decade, and we still aren't tired of it. We still love it. It's great, and there's a lot to talk about tonight. So stay tuned. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 